Welcome to Healthcare IT Today. I'm John Lynn, together with my colleague and friend, Colin Hunt. The world of technology and healthcare ever-changing in new and novel ways, and that's why we love this stuff. So join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health IT news, meshed together in new ways which help generate ideas and new perspectives. Plus, we'll have a little fun along the way. On today's episode, and back by popular demand, we're doing another buying or selling discussion. And be sure to follow the show on Twitter at the hashtag HITSM and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 16 years of health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. So are you buying or selling summer? <laughs> I am I am totally buying summer because it is bloody hot up here. <laughs> That's funny that you say that because I am selling summer because I live in Vegas. So <laughs> I'm ready to travel, get out of this, you know, miserable hot. It's not been too bad, actually. Knock on wood. Uh, it started pretty nicely, but I know where it's headed. <laughs> as, a, as a northerner, I am like, give me the heat. I will take it. And it's fine that we skipped right over spring and right into summer. I'm good with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see where it goes. <laughs> so yeah, another buying and selling episode. This will be fun. I love this kind of stuff where we get to talk about a variety of different topics. And, um, you know, hopefully you and I are not on the same page out of every one. But uh, yeah, we should go back to our old episodes and like uh, give us a point system or something. How did we do? Did we buy right or not? So, you know, <laughs> have a running total. I'm, I'm probably betting less than a thousand for sure. <laughs> less than 500. Well, is this baseball or hockey? Cause you know, or, oh. <laughs> or I actually basketball. don't know what the equivalent, well, I guess it's shot percentage, safe percentage. Yeah. I guess, you know, hockey and baseball are pretty close. It's basketball. which is like, yeah, you got to be up in the 50, 60. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start with the first one. So here's the first statement, John. Are you buying or selling that health IT will be affected less by a recession versus other industries? So I think from the major perspective, people still need healthcare. And so in many ways, healthcare won't be affected as much. Uh, and so, you know, I think that, you know, I'm buying that it's less than other industries. But just because it's less doesn't mean it's not going to hurt and doesn't mean that a lot of people aren't going to pull back and stop spending money and start questioning every dollar. And, you know, and, and sometimes CEOs will use that as a way to increase margins, even though and they don't need to cut it back. Right. And so, you know, that's where I think sometimes that's what happens in healthcare because people are still getting procedures, you know, like recessions don't cause healthcare to stop functioning, right? There's not like all these extra beds in hospitals generally when, uh, you know, a recession happens, you don't, you don't see that, you know, some of the elective procedures, sure, you'll get some impact, but you know, that's pretty few and far between. We don't go to healthcare unless we need it. And so I guess in that regard, it, it's not. Now, if you do health IT specifically, that's a little harder. I, I think it, it's, you know, healthcare is still going to be there, but I can think many projects are going to be held back. And if there's a pretty prolonged recession, that's when I think health IT is going to really be impacted. That's interesting. I, I am, I'm totally buying that healthcare is going to be less affected if there is a recession coming in the next 12 months. Um, two reasons for that. One, I think in general, healthcare has always weathered recessions a little bit better than other industries, sure. But I think for this one in particular, there's one outcome of COVID that I think will sustain healthcare 
and keep it actually pretty flat and won't go down at all. And that's because of the backlog of procedures. So I think, I think there's so many people that need care where it's the sort of needed care. It's not like I want this care. This is absolutely needed, but that have held off. And I think there's enough demand that it's going to take a year or more to work through it. Now, maybe, mm. maybe not in certain pockets, like maybe in more uh, urban areas like Chicago and Boston, they have plenty of capacity. So maybe they will work through their backlog faster. But I think that the backlog and the pent up demand that people maybe who went without care for two years, I think that's just going to, it's going to continue. Like it's going to feed the healthcare machine for the next a little while. And so I think it'll ride out the recession really well, actually, because I think we've already felt the effects of a decline in, in salaried employees, a decline in physicians. I think we're, we're seeing that now already uh, because of COVID and because of all the postponements and everything. So I think healthcare is actually going to ride it out pretty well. I mean, that's the fascinating part. All these people are leaving because they're burnt out. And if there's a recession, are all these organizations going to say, oh, we're good. <laughs> we right. needed to cut those people anyways. And now we don't have to cut them. I mean, that, that's kind of interesting. The thing yeah. I think won't happen is I don't see a stimulus package coming for healthcare. Like I don't, you know, what, what could they do? A telehealth remote patient monitoring stimulus package or something, right? Or maybe a HIPAA security one or like, so, you know, ironically in the last recession, we got the RS stimulus package with high tech act and $36 billion for EHR. And so the recession was like the golden age of health IT, which was really ironic as everyone else is struggling we're just you know going gangbusters and i don't think that's going to come if there's another recession yeah I, again I, I agree with you i don't think there's any like i don't think they're going to spur a telehealth initiative or a cybersecurity one um uh you know in terms of big dollars i think there will be some cybersecurity money made available generally but it won't be sure. just specific some to rural internet you know yeah. package or something with the ftc <laughs> the one though would be the backlog like I know I'll just use Canada for an example. So the Canadian government is looking at this because there is such an acute problem here where the wait lists have gotten so long for some procedures, right? And, and as we start to hear stories of uh, higher prevalences of cancer and, and mm. you know, those kinds of things, I think that maybe you know, we'll see some uh, movement towards, hey, maybe we should help fix this, right? Like we need to hire and, and, and you know, uh, give you some money to, to organizations to get rid of this backlog. So I think there's a small chance of that, but you're right. It won't move the needle like, like the needle moved in, you know, with the uh, uh, Affordable Care Act. Yeah. So do you think that uh, what would be a stimulus package that would be effective? So the one I comes to my mind is interoperability. Like what if they actually paid people to share data <laughs> or to adopt a certain technology that was able to share data with a central repository or whatever, right? You know, that proved you really could share data. I don't know. That would be interesting, right? I mean, that's what I wish they would have done with meaningful use <laughs> money and didn't. So, uh, you know, do I trust them to execute it effectively? No, but if they did, it would be really interesting. Yeah, for me, the, the stimulus would be actually around cybersecurity, right? Like we know healthcare is a soft target. We know they maybe not have spent or upgraded their systems or had the ability to hire certain people to protect their infrastructure as well as they could have. And when ransomware attacks hit hospitals, you know, you know that that is lives on the line. And so I think if you get enough of those stories, I think politicians will act, right? To say, hey, we need to help these people. We need to give them the money to, to, 
harden these targets, right? Mm -hmm. um, that would be interesting because that's not just, as we know, it's not just cybersecurity software, right? That's hiring people, that's getting infrastructure in place, that's maybe moving things to the cloud. So it has the potential of being a pretty interesting stimulus package if they threw enough dollars at it. Yeah, I mean, what, it probably only takes five or 10 billion. And if they do hmm. another trillion, what's 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 five or 10 here? Or there? there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. So the next one, John, that we get to, uh, prior authorization is getting better. Are you buying that? Or are you selling that? I mean, it's like, that's such a hard question because it's like, is it getting better? Well, I would ask, can it get worse? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so like it has to get better. So I guess I'm tentatively buying it. But if this was a stock that I'm choosing to buy, or if I'm choosing to short it, I'm not buying it because I'm not going to get any return on it because it's going to get better but it's not going to get good, right? And so like to me, prior authorization, they've done some interesting things and there's some people working on this problem, but it's one of the most sophisticated, complex problems you can, and you can't just throw technology at it. And so, you know, or, you know, you throw it at it and it solves 40% of it. And you're like, well, did that really solve the problem? No, it didn't, right? So, you know, I guess it will get, you know, somewhat better and we'll see some pockets, but... You know, I think one, there's some forces that say uh, we don't want it to get better and some people who don't want to invest for it to get better because they're benefiting from the dysfunction of the prior auth system. Uh, and, and for some, there's some good reason why that prior auth there is because of abuse and other things. So, you know, like, will it get better? Mm, a little, but not, you know, if we, if we adjust for inflation, no, it's not. So I'm selling that. <laughs> I am totally 100% selling this one. I do not think it's going to get better. And in fact, I think the mandate's going to get removed fairly soon. Um, mm. And the reason why I say that is because you're basically penalizing 80% of the population to solve 20% of the problem. Yes, it's true that it, there is fraud and this is a great way to do that. I think some people were hoping that this might also spur price transparency, right? Because the two are kind of tied together. But as we've seen, the implementation has proven to be far more difficult than originally anticipated. And now it's hurting people as opposed to helping anybody, right? This is one of the few problems or the few issues where universally it's hated. Like patients hate it, physicians and clinicians hate it, administrators hate it, payers hate it. Like no one likes this, right? And I would say even the government is probably not liking what's going on. Like they're not getting any really good information here. Like it's just not working. So when you, when you have this rare confluence of everybody not liking it, I think people are just going to, you know what, let's just scrap this and rethink it. And let's come back with something that really will solve the problem of fraud that we're really we're after because right now it's turned into this quagmire. Yeah. Well, the challenge is what's the solution, right? I mean, th there isn't necessarily a better solution. One, because people are dishonest. Two, some people aren't educated as to what the standards of care should be. So I think technology could play a role in that and, and should, right? The HR vendors, the clinical decision support systems should be enforcing those standards not the insurance company, right? Like right. It, sh it should be almost considered fraud for you not to do this, right? Like, uh, you know, for you not to do the standard of care, you know, without some important justifications, that's fine, right? There's exceptions in, in, in a lot of cases and that's fine. We can deal with the exceptions, but in many cases, you know, I've talked to some people that do the prior auth and 
they're like, I just cannot justify it. You know, like you're what you want to do. And we cannot pay for that when there's no medical evidence that justifies your decision-making. And so, you know, I, I think that's where it should go. You know, maybe, I, I don't know. It, it's such a complicated thing, right? Uh, because, the insurance companies don't want to pay for stuff that shouldn't be done or that could even be detrimental to the patient. But, you know, of course, for every one of those, there's 80% of them where the doctor's doing the right thing and they're wasting their time to your point that, right. you know, and it's making it worse for them uh, and you're punishing them that they're trying to do the right thing and they can't. And that's more damaging than some of the fraud or abuse or it's in many cases, it's not even fraud. It's just, lack of understanding of how things have changed or what, you know, they've never dealt with that patient before. And so they don't know the details. So I think that's the problem. Totally agree. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with John Lin and Colin Hung. Today, we're having one of our buying and selling discussions where we present a statement and decide whether we're buying into it or whether we're selling it, meaning we don't really believe it. So John, let's get to this one. I'm very interested to get your whether you're buying or selling this one, Epic is going to change dramatically after Judy retires. Is Judy going to retire? (laughs) I don't think we're predicting that. I'm just saying, are you buying or selling that it's going to change when the day comes that Judy. Yeah. Well, I mean, so far, none of us have, have uh, beat death. So uh, you'll retire sooner or later, right? Right. (laughs) Because the reality, no, uh, anyway. So, uh, you know, this is interesting. I think Judy is such a figurehead. In fact, I think the comparison is really interesting between Judy and Steve jobs from Apple. Now they, they approach it very differently. So I'm not comparing them in that regard, but the influence, that Steve had over Apple, I think is similar to the influence that Judy has over Epic. I mean, she is all in on her baby. Even at her age, she's still working hard and doesn't vacation, I hear, very much. And because she just loves what she does. I mean, that's what she wants to do. And, and so she's so committed to it. So the question is, okay, is it going to change dramatically when she leaves? Well, did Apple change dramatically when Steve Jobs leave? I would say no, it didn't because, you know, it was such a machine and it was such a dominant force that it continued to be a dominant force. One could argue, oh, maybe there was a little less innovation that's come out of Apple since then. And, and that was the loss. But I don't think that's going to be true with Judy. Like, I actually think we may see more innovation come out of Epic when Judy, you know, hands over the reins to someone else, because it may free some people to have, you know, some uh, some of their ideas implemented rather than the gravitational pull and force that is Judy, right? That, you know, tries to control and tries to, you know, force through certain ideal, ideals and, and principles. So I guess I would say that I'm, I'm a, selling that it's going to change dramatically uh, because I think that's such a 
force of nature that it's still going to be a force of nature no it's not like any judy's going to be gone and like people are gonna be like oh okay i better switch to cerner like you know <laughs> like it's going to be business as usual and the, you know i mean the, the big change may be actually a positive change where there's more innovation and there's more opportunities for do things that maybe she wasn't interested in or whatever right and so that's how i look at it I am not going to hedge this one at all. And I'm going to say, like you, I, I'm 100% selling this one. I really don't think uh, much is going to change in the decade after Judy retires. Um, one, I think just corporate moment, momentum, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's very unlikely that someone from the outside is going to come in and suddenly lead Epic in a new direction and go at right angles to whatever Judy has done. I think, you know, her, her lieutenants, that senior leadership team. I mean, someone's going to emerge from there to be the leader and they're going to adhere to the principles and the culture that she has put in place because it's been there for so long. And it, and the people who have been here, been for that there for that journey, I think will want to continue Judy's legacy. So I think the decision-making, I think the approach to, um, you know, the approach to product development, the approach to marketing, all those things will remain for a long time as the, the leadership team stays together. I think a decade later, when people start to filter out and retire or go to other places and we get new people in, then maybe you'll start to see a slow change. But, but I don't see anything changing within a decade after Judy retires. I think she's built up such a, a following and, and gotten everybody on board uh, into that line of thinking, which I, I'm not saying is wrong. I just think it's just, it's just the way it is there that I think that momentum will just carry even though Judy's mm -hmm. not at the top. I mean, she's been uber successful, but here's yeah, the other reality, right? Like what has been the innovation schedule of Epic? It's been completely tied to the regulation requirements. So are regulation requirements going to change? No, I mean, they're going to keep marching forward. So I think it's, you know, when you look at it from that perspective, moving the Epic ship <laughs> in a way is going to be challenging no matter who the leader is, right? And so they have to, you know, it's like, how do you turn an aircraft carrier around? You don't, right? <laughs> like <laughs> That's why pirates can come into those big ships and abuse them, right? Is because they're more agile. So Epic is a big ship and it's going a certain direction guided largely by the reimbursement requirements regulations and that will still continue to be the case for decades after yeah i, I think so i mean you look at you you compared you know um you know to apple with steve jobs i think that's an apt uh, comparison at least in terms of the impact the leader had on the organization mm -hmm. i was thinking ge right mm. for for years ge uh, through the two iconic leaders that they had, it's pretty much the same, right? And, uh, you know, that's stretched over multiple decades. And it's only now where we're getting into like the third or fourth generation, we're starting to see GE change fundamentally now a little bit from its days, right? Um, yeah. Being led uh, by Mr. Collins and company. So, you know, it's, it's just interesting. Uh, I think it's going to be you know, at least uh, a decade before we see any change in Epic's approach and 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 their um, uh, their business. Which, hey, you're right. Can't argue with success, right? I mean, it's been yeah, a very successful absolutely. run. So why why would you want to change it? <laughs> well, I mean, I, there's a few reasons I would, but uh, you know, I, I think also Judy's doing every effort she knows possible by putting it in the trust or whatever it's called, right? They were, you know, all of the shares and governing it that it can't be sold and can't go public and all these different things, right? She's 
working every effort to preserve it. And I think she does it actually from a, a very heartful way that she thinks that the work that Epic's doing is important, which it is, right? I mean, lives are truly online if it's not done right. And so she sees that as an important calling for her to keep it on its path and to to achieve the successes that it has and to, you know, do that. So, you know, the, the interesting question is, is that the right path for that goal as well, right? Or is there opportunity for Epic to do even more than they are to improve the lives of clinicians and patients? Well, we'll have another decade to wait, John. <laughs> <laughs> we can check the score on this one in Let's, a decade. This will be a long-term <laughs> score check. All right, last one. Um, successful cyber attacks in healthcare will decline within three years. Buying yeah. or selling that? Um, I'm selling that. Like, I mean, attacks just increase, right? Uh, I, you know, if, if this were phrased subtly different, if we were to say successful, you know, like ransomware or, you know, so, something very specific, I might say, yeah, you know, we'll probably be able to battle that a little better than we did, right? I mean, we don't have as many denial of service things that happen, right? Uh, because we've been able to mitigate some of that through hardware solutions and different things. But, you know, as far as cyber attacks, I am you know, nefarious people are going to be nefarious people. And, you know, I heard an interesting quote from, uh, I think it was Drex, maybe you tweeted it out at the event. And he said, you know, the, the face of these cyber criminals isn't a guy in his pajamas at home. Okay, he might be a guy in a pajamas at home. He didn't say this, but like they, he might be a guy in pajamas at home, but it looks way more like a corporation of 10 guys that are in pajamas at home, right? Like, and it, and it acts more like a corporation with specific strategies and specific, you know, the, you know, targets that they're going after. It's not this random guy who's just having some fun and seeing what he can accomplish, which was the hackle culture for so long. Now it's just so much more sophisticated. So that would be the argument against it is that, hey, it's going to get so much more sophisticated that we're not going to be attacked as much, but it's going to be much more targeted you could make that case but i still think it's you know it's too easy to just increase the number of attacks and find a vulnerability that someone didn't patch and then take advantage of it i am going to buck the trend with you on this one i Ooh. am going to say i'm buying this one um but before we get there i think we're going to go through more pain um, <laughs> and i think it's actually that pain uh, and the publicity around that pain that's going to spur some action. Um, either because people will look bad and they'll want to not look bad, meaning hospitals, or that the government or some entities will step in and go, we need to fix this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, cyber criminals only attack targets where they're going to get paid. They, they don't, they're not doing this to prove a point anymore. No one does that anymore. Like, oh, I broke into the Pentagon and, you know, I've got some props, right? Like, yeah. no, 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 it's a money-making machine. So as soon as you turn that tap off, right, uh, then, you know, you're no longer going to be a target, right? And, you know, in my mind. So the question becomes, how do you not pay? Because today people are paying, right? Because they don't have the right backup and recovery. They don't know what to do when something is made vulnerable. But I think when we, in three years time, that will change. I think people are going to have to either forcefully or because they've been a victim, they're going to start to go, you know what, fine, you attacked and I'm your ransom, you got ransomware, I'm recovering. 
Like I'm just rebooting from one month ago. And you know what? I've done this. Like I've, I know what to do and I'm just going to keep going. So I'm not going to pay you. I'm just going to keep doing this until I figure out what's wrong and then kick you out. Mm-hmm. I also am pretty encouraged by some of the new technologies that are coming into play that use AI to defend, right? So defensive AI technologies around the cybersecurity world. Um, and, and yes, healthcare is slowly moving to the cloud. So I think when we do that, it'll be a lot easier to defend. I, I agree with you. There'll be more attacks. But I think the number of successful attacks actually is going to decline in three years time um, on hospitals. I mean, yeah. I could be proven completely wrong. I, I, I hope not, but <laughs> I hope you're right. You know, <laughs> like that's I, where I'm at. <laughs> I just think like it's, we're starting to see it, right? Like there's more and more coverage of ransomware attacks in the press uh, that hospitals are paying or, or, or being affected. And I just think the outrage and the, and the publicity this is getting is forcing hospitals to go, you know what? I don't want to be that. Like, I'm really going to put some money here. I'm really going to have to you know, solve this. And so I think the number of successful attacks is, is going to drop, at least on the big targets, for sure. Um, well, and you're right. You know, there's a lot of technology that's coming. And Proofpoint has made this point a, a lot, right? That we did it on the hardware side. And now you don't hear as much about the hardware side because we know how to deal with those attacks in a much better way. Now they're doing it on the more, you know, email side and the, you know, the phishing side and, and you know, that more social engineering side, right? And so their technology is improving all of that so that it happens less often, to your point. So there is an argument to be made there. We're also seeing it with, you know, whether it's medical devices or whether it's health IT solutions or whatever it is, they're embedding the security into the device or into the platform and the system. And so that's going to get better as well. And so, you know, I mean, Fortinet's talked about this as well, right? Like how do you apply the principles at the edge to secure those devices at the edge rather than, you know, trying to do it, you know, in some other form or fashion. So I I think there are some signs that say it could get better. But, uh, you know, I just remember the statement from every security person, uh, you know, they only have to be right once. We have to be right all the time. And that's the trouble. No, I agree. I mean, and let's let's be honest, like it's taken, um, you know, some of the tech giants like Microsoft. How long, uh, you know, before now they're reacting to you know, patches and, and security breaches like instantaneously now, whereas before, remember it used to take like weeks or more before they issue a patch to Windows or the servers, right? Now it's yeah. instantaneous, right? Someone so, was talking about that on Twitter. I think they were like, well, you got a Windows machine, it's going to be hacked. It's like, when is the last time that I got a virus on a Windows machine? In fact, I heard one person say, actually, Macs are more vulnerable than Windows. And it's probably because of exactly what you said. Once you're flamed enough for it, you solve the problem and you're actually better, right? I mean, a person's privacy and security is the best when af- right after a ransomware incident happens or when, you know, a reach happens because that company goes in and actually improves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think, so I think, I think, I think um, health IT is getting the message. I think on the vendor side, I think people more are taking uh, security seriously and breaking into their product design, like not just devices, as you said, but sure. software people as well. And I think CIOs, like when I talk to them, they're all saying, yeah, you know, we know we have to invest in cybersecurity. I'm getting the budgets now to do this because the CFO realizes, you know, uh, what the impact of all this tech really can is like in terms of availability of their systems and no patients going uh, under, you know, no patients being impacted. I think people get it now. Whereas I think a couple of years ago, even, I think people were just going, Oh, it'll never happen to me. It was cybersecurity by avoidance, right? Denial. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And that wasn't going to happen that, you know, obviously it's not a very good strategy. So I'm buying this and saying, 
yeah, in three years, we're going to start to see a decline of successful attacks. I think the number of attacks is going to go up, but I think the number of successful ones actually might think is going to decline. Yeah. I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> hey, thanks to all of you who tuned into this episode of Healthcare IT Today. You can find more details about our show by checking out the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com. And please share your voice and engage with the community at healthcareittoday.com and on Twitter using the hashtag HITSM. I'm Colin Hung, along with my friend and health IT collaborator, John Lin. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Bye.